Hi, everyone. Mitch from PickDogs.com. It is Tuesday, April 26, 2022, here with your live show. We're live seven days a week, 365 days a year. Of course, we've got Joe Madden, a day healthier, and uh, Brian Bittler. And uh, got a full schedule of games again after uh, yesterday. Smaller schedule. So uh, see what we can do with it. But... Um, Anyways, uh, NFL draft coming up. Just, I don't know these teams. It's like they don't watch any of the college games, and they're surprised that they pick these bust players. Just to me, it's it's mystifying, you know, how they end up with some of these players. But um, I, wonder, I wonder how you get a job being a scout in the NFL. Um, what it is is you don't watch any college football games at all, and then um, just go to the combine. And then listen to what the guys on the on the network say. As I, who are, I don't who, think so. I think I that, know a couple of scouts. Well, they work their asses off going to those games. Well, what teams? What teams? I'll tell you if they're any good. Um, I don't know if they would appreciate me listing the teams, but I know a scout that. Um, I could tell you two scouts. They work for three or four different um, organizations scouting. All right. Well, in, in in the NFL, there's only about two teams that seem to really understand it, and yeah. and uh, one is the Baltimore Ravens, and and the That's other one, true. and the other one is the Patriots. These are really the only teams that really understand the NFL draft and, and how it works, and um, you know that's why those are two of the more successful organizations. Most of the other teams that you see out there that find any kind of success have to go out there and at one point raid the free agent market. And then they're good for one season. And then, well, then they have to disassemble the team because they have all these high-priced guys. But only the Patriots and the Ravens are able to sustain it um, year after year. Also, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I would throw into that into that as well. What about the Seahawks? I mean, they had a down year last year, but they seem to be pretty competitive every year. They generally don't draft well, the Seattle Seahawks, but the Seahawks generally... Um, play the waiver wire really well and the free agents um the free agent signings they always have the most undrafted players on their roster so i don't know if that makes them good at the draft or not but definitely good talent evaluators and and a team that generally is in the playoffs just about every single year but i mean there's really just a handful of teams we can go through and you know almost all the teams and, and show you like just clear misses i mean just bad horrible picks i mean Chicago Bears, right? I mean, you got to talk about really the worst, <laughs> the worst NFL scouting in terrible. The Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, just terrible at it. Just well, horrid. How bad were the Chiefs? How bad were the Chiefs before Andy Reid got there? Kind of turned that program around, right? And it's like you have to, you have to gut the, gut the, gut the, um, gut it, you know, and 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 start over again if what you're doing is not working. I mean, you know, the Dolphins, you know, drafted. Ted Ginn, you know, one time in the first round, the 10th overall pick, you know, they fired the coach. They fired him. One season. Shortest tenured coach in the history of the organization. It's like, you come up with Ted Ginn as the number 10 overall pick when you need a quarterback? Oh, my God. You're so gone? It's like, if you don't win the Super Bowl, you're gone. (laughs) It was like, that was basically the answer there. You know, and... um, well, they had a quarterback at that point, didn't they? No, they haven't had a quarterback since Dan Marino. Wow. 
They've not. Yeah. They've had the Dolphins have had more start, more starting quarterbacks than like just about anybody. You look at these teams like that have a million starting quarterbacks, and the Dolphins are one of those since Dan Marino. But with Tua, you know, here is the, the here is the highest drafted quarterback they've had, you know, since Bob Greasy. So, you know, I think he has the talent to to be there. But you look at some of these other teams, and it's just like, what are you guys thinking? I mean, seriously. What exactly are you? Th- I mean, the Bears are the prime example. I mean, and the Eagles. I mean, these guys are just clueless. I mean, what are you doing? You know, Carson Wentz, second overall. You're crack. I mean, wh- what is that? Mitch Trubisky, trade up to get this guy. He's played one year of college football. He was okay. It's like. He played one year of college football. And you're going to throw him in as a starter in the, in the National Football League where defensive linemen run 4-4-40s. Yeah, that's going to work out real well for you. It's like, I think what, I think what the general public fails to realize here, you know, when, they, when you look at the draft and the combine and now all of a sudden they're hyping these guys. And the guy that actually that is turning out to be the number one pick this year if you're going defensive line, this is the guy. You know, Walker from Georgia, outstanding. I mean, Brian had Vandy in that game, so he knows how good this guy is. You know, Brian knows. His first play of the game, 15-yard loss. You know, set the tone. I mean, that's what you need. A defensive lineman that can penetrate, you know, go through a double team or possibly get involved in a triple team, and it frees everybody else up. To run to blitz because you have to be able to you have to be able to get pressure on the quarterback because you're not allowed to cover wide receivers anymore in the NFL. You're not allowed to cover. So you have to apply pressure to the quarterback. Hopefully he throws up a floater, and then you have these guys that run four one, four two forties and jump like, you know, ten feet in the air to intercept the ball. That's it, what the NFL has become, right? This flag football league. And um you know, and that and that's how you get it done. But it's like, you know, some of these picks, I mean, they don't make any sense at all. Like, I mean, it's like you see these guys in college and it's like there's nothing there to show you that he they can compete at this level. There's nothing on the resume because they went into a an, a a dome stadium and ran a four three forty, all of a sudden John Ross is fourth overall player taken in, in, in the NFL draft. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Nice guy. Can't catch, right? It's like, well, the wide receiver has to be able to catch a football, okay? You can run a 4-1. He's probably the fastest guy in the NFL, right? Ross, I'd say, is the fastest guy in the NFL. Can't catch. It's a problem. It's a problem. I think the number one thing that a wide receiver, their, their number one job to do is 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 to catch passes. I, I mean, is, is am I missing something here? Yeah, but you can't teach speed. You know, you could uh, maybe Ross could have worked into his hands. You know, well he didn't. He didn't. he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. But you can't teach speed. So I understand that, but it's not like it's not like a pitcher that throws 120 miles an hour. This is a wide receiver that's, you know, he and in today's NFL, you also have to remember that free agency happens fast, three, four years, you know? So it's like they need to be able to contribute right away. 
projects are, are are no longer part of the part of the system. You got to be able to contribute right away. Rarely do you have the situation like in Green Bay where where Love gets to sit on the bench and watch Aaron Rodgers play. You know, if Love doesn't turn out to be the stud of all studs, well, this is one of the biggest flops in, in draft history as well. Because here you drafted a quarterback in the first round. You know, and the last time the Packers did that, it worked out for them, right? It worked out really well for them. Brett Favre played. Aaron Rodgers sat on the bench. We saw him in Kansas City. He didn't look too sharp, but that was well, one game. You no, know, it's, it's he he he's a he's a rookie, and he, he wasn't that bad. He he really wasn't that bad. You're talking about Kansas City, who had played in the Super Bowl the pre the prior two years on the road. And it's not like they got blown out of the building and he was throwing interceptions left and right. I believe they were right in the 10 game. 10-7 or something? Yeah, they were, right, they were right in it. Right in it. So I uh, think it was a garbage touchdown at the end. I think it was 10-0 and then they, they covered. Touched oh, they covered. Oh, they covered. Oh, they covered. I know oh, they, they covered. We know. We know who you had. We know who you had. It's okay. But anyways, I don't know. We'll, we'll get on and we'll... we'll, we'll We'll pick apart these guys' picks again. We'll, you know, make no friends. Last year, it's been a year since I got the death threats over the Trey Lance pick. Um, Jury's still out on him. I think he'll have a good year this year. But if we'll you're the, if you're the fourth overall pick and you traded up to get it, then the jury shouldn't still be out. You, if you're trading up and you're trading away the future to get that player, all right. So how about this? So there was another player, right, taken um, that was traded up for last year in the draft, early, top 10 pick, okay, where a team traded into the top 10 to get a guy, okay? And you tell me, even though he went later than Lance, who would you rather have, Jalen Waddle or Trey Lance? It's not even well, close. They play, they play it's not positions. even close. It's not even close. Usually throughout the first year of a quarter, rookie quarterback. I mean, look at Peyton Manning. Uh, uh, you can go down the list of lots of guys that their first year isn't the best. I, I think this year is the, the deciding uh, year for Lance. All right. I thought it was a reach. Because the guys taken behind him, like, like Mac Jones, certainly didn't, certainly didn't need a year under their belt. And he'll be better next year. Jones will be better next year. And he'll be able to win some of those games later in the season, which were when he faltered, you know, it was late in the season in the tougher games, in the tougher spots, but he'll be better next year. But, you know, why are the Baltimore Ravens always draft well? Because they always take the best player available. They never waver from the board. Never. That's what you have to do, best player available. Doesn't matter. You don't have a quarterback. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Best player available. Best player available. So what you got to do. Those best players available, those are the superstars. Those are the pro bowlers. Those are the guys. You know, that's the, how I do my, my fantasy football. That's how I draft. You know, in um, the, the big, you know, the big argument, best player available. So, you know, th this is a while ago, obviously. So the Dallas Cowboys were on the clock and their best player available on the board was Doug Cosby, the tight end, who's great tight end, great tight end for the Cowboys. But the next player on the board was Joe Montana. It was taken by the 49ers with the next pick. 
So, you know, they got Cosby, who was a great player, too. But, you know, Joe Montana. But, you know, would Montana have been the same quarterback with the Cowboys? I seriously doubt it. It's Bill Walsh system. Anyways, we can talk about NFL draft, and we will continue to talk about it. I'm excited about it. I, you know, I watch a ton of college football, so we know all these guys. That's the beauty of it, you know, is that we know these guys, you know. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people jump on board with these, you know, players and, you know, the NFL draft, when the NFL draft happens. But you guys know we've been talking about them all year. So we know all these guys. We know them, you know. We talked about them inside and out, the good, the bad, and the ugly all season long. Joe, who, who, who's your sleeper? NFL, who's, who's your NFL draft guy this year? You have one? Like a guy that you really want the Chargers to get? Yeah, I I think they're going to get him out of Georgia, Georgia uh, Jordan Davis. So I think we're going to get him. We need that help on the defensive side of the ball. We need to be able to stop the run this year. So I am. Um, I think he'd be great. I think uh, I'd love Walker, but of course he's going to he's going to go. He's going to go so quick. Um, good. Well, we've saw um, a few years ago four Clemson defensive linemen go. Um, in the first two rounds. So very possible that that could happen. We've seen it before. Miami had it too for defensive linemen in the first two rounds. Uh, it happens. To me, my sleeper is Pickens. I, this is the guy. You know, if I'm looking for a wide receiver, I want Pickens. Just calling it yeah. for all you fantasy players out there for your last round draft choice because he's like the eighth wide receiver on the board. Pickens. We called Michael Pittman from the, from the on the Colts. Nobody was liking Pittman. We loved Pittman. We were saying all along, USC is NFL wide receivers. Look at him now. Star. You got to remind me in August. So I'll draft him. All right. Well, let's get to today's card. We got three NBA games. Last night's NBA, man, the Raptors with the ugly stick on the, on the uh, Sixers. I still think the Sixers win that series. Um, they might even win next game, but hats off to the Raptors for uh, – Gavel to gavel, right? It was like they were led at the beginning of the game. They were, they never really, the Sixers never reeled them in. Never, it never got dicey for them. They had it the whole way. Had it all the way. Utah Jazz. Whew. Whoa. Whoa. I think I think the Mavs could have beat them by a hundred now, and and there was a fight which we predicted was going to happen as well because <laughs> it's just way too chippy this series. Yeah, Jazz are just struggling. How about like know. in so how about like in other sports they always say you know delay game number twelve, Tampa Bay. You know they always call like delay game Tampa Bay number twelve. Um, you know, but in. In the NBA, they call it by the names of the guys. Bullock, you know, <laughs> Gobert, yeah. Doncic shooting. You know, they, they, uh, they do it that way in the NBA when they make the announcements. But in the NFL, you know, they do it by number. It is interesting. It's interesting, right, that they do it that way. Yeah. Because after the fight, they were, <laughs> they were picking them all apart. Like, oh man, knew that was coming too. Anyways, the Heat and the Hawks. This has been a one-sided blowout beatdown. This is one of those series. This one and that Celtics Nets and um, 
you know, a few of these others make the strong argument that the NBA should go back to three out of five for the first round. I mean, the Hawks stole one game, but this series has not been competitive at all. Not even close to competitive. These are men against boys. Brian? It gives us more to bet on, though, if they go have a seven-game series, so it's nicer for us. But but these aren't going to – it's like these aren't going to happen. It's not going to – this is not going to be a seven-game series. This but look at the Pelican Suns. If it wasn't a seven-game series, maybe we wouldn't be seeing a classic play out. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but, you know. I can see the argument on both sides, but you're right, Mitch. There's been a few of these series. I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying this one, the Celtics, Nets. There's been a few of them that are, you know – they make the argument. Okay, yeah. In this game here, I'm going to sound like a broken record, I think, for these three games that we're going to talk about. I'm going to take the under 217 and a half. Uh, as series is progress, I, I really take a, a good look on the under, especially in this Hawks and Heat. Heat are already one of the top uh, uh, teams in, as far as defensive rating go. And if the Hawks want any chance in this game, they're going to have to uh, contest every single possession. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with the under 217 and a half. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that under, Brian. I think that's the strongest way to take this one for a free play. I think we'll see Miami continue to limit Trey Young in this game, and I don't see um, the Hawks putting up enough points for us to go over that 217.5. So give me the under as well. Heat first quarter, first half game, under, all that other stuff. This is when the series is over. This is a slaughter. This is the Jimmy Butler show. He's putting up a good one. It's killed them. It's killed them. The Hawks just didn't have it this year. Did not have it. Not, they took a step back. What happened is their players missed most of the season. So they just don't even have the chemistry to do what they need to do. Last year, they were able to to create lanes for uh, Trey Young to, to uh, take the ball to the hole in the playoffs. And that kept them in games. This year, there's nobody, he's got no help. And just, the Heat are just way too physical pounding the crap out of them, and then they're burying shots on the other end. It's been, you know, not one of these games the Heat wins have been within double digits. I mean, they're not even like, oh, it's oh, we might not cover. They might, you know, it's like these have been just ridiculous. The one that the Hawks won, they got the lead with like eight seconds left to go in the game, you know, and they reeled in a 10 point. They were down by 10 and again, and they reeled them in and got and snuck out with the win in Atlanta, but this series is way over. And I'd say alternate line heat. Memphis Grizzlies against the Minnesota Timberwolves. This one's been a little bit more competitive than than people would think. The the Timberwolves have played strong. They have a lot of first round overall picks. Some of those have worked out for them. Some of them have not. But uh, this is a team that um, has drafted okay. I, th- I guess if you, this is the prime example that if you get enough cracks at it, it's kind of like the Bengals. If you get enough cracks at those really high picks, eventually you're going to hit on something. You well, know? the Bengals got a good coach in there. Right, but the uh, Bengals the Bengals drafted number one. The Bengals have, the if you look at the all-time NFL draft busts, the Bengals have nine out of ten of them, right? But or, the Bengals, the Bengals have, have on a playoff. Tw- nine, out of, they- nine out of 15, or nine out of, I would say even nine out of 25, whatever, any list you look at, the Bengals have the bulk of, of the first round busts of all time. They have David Klingler, Achilles Smith. They got, um, Oh, the, the running, the running back from Penn state. I mean, they have got a 
lot of these just like, I mean, we're talking, you know, one through five, you know, of the of the draft type guys that just busted out, you know, like way busted out. The Bengals have the most for sure. It's it, it's, it can't even be close. Hmm. I mean, let's, we could look at any like, you know, list that we're, we're not, um, you know, that, you know, somebody else's list. And, you know, well, before Tom Brady got to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay had been pretty mediocre for many years. They won the Super Bowl. Oh, that's right, John Gruden. The older I get, the more senile I get. I think. All right, well, here's just a random list of the 17 biggest draft busts in NFL history. Charles Rogers from the Lions. Definitely agree that. Oh, Johnny Manziel. Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, who I picked it, picked would be the biggest boss that year. That was ridiculous. Oh, my God. Russell Erkslaven, that was one of the worst picks you'll ever see. They drafted, Where did he go? He went to the Saints. They drafted a punter in the, with the first pick, with their first round pick. He drafted a punter. Yeah, that's, that's a good move. So it's, that's only, you know how many times that's worked out in NFL history of all the you know punters and kickers out there or taking a kicker once. When was that? Back in the seventies? I never even heard of that guy. Russell Erkslaven. He was a punter kicker in college. Oh, I remember hmm. him. Yeah, Making matters worse. Kellen Kellen Winslow was the next pick. <laughs> oh God. Uh, and here's Achilles Smith showing up on the board. We no list of NFL busts is, is complete. Tim Couch for Cleveland. Isaiah Wilson, Tennessee Titans. What about Todd Marinovich? Brian Bosworth. Kevin Allen. Ooh, there's one for you, Brian. Number nine overall by the Eagles. Tony Mandarich. Vernon, Vernon Golston, New York Jets. The Jets do have a long history of bad picks. They, they have the Jets have some of the worst picks ever. That was Blair Thomas out of Penn State, number three or two overall. I think they took the Jets. Oh, uh, here's one. Every quarterback the Jacksonville Jaguars have ever taken: Blake Bortles and Blaine Gabbert. It's like Trent Richardson, David Carr, Johnny Mansell. Dwayne Haskins, ouch. Kajina Carter, that's the guy I was thinking of. Kajina Carter by the Bengals. Oh, my God. He's rated number one worst pick. I think it's Kajina Carter. Honorable mentions. He has to be high on there. Honorable mentions. Heath Schuler, Lawrence Phillips, Deion Jordan. That was the Dolphins' worst pick they ever had, too. It's like, we got Deion Jordan. Never heard of the guy. Had third overall pick. Sounds fast. We'll take him. Dion Jordan, man. We got Dion Jordan. Oh, he stinks. Jeff George, Matt Leiner, Vince Young, Steve Spurrier, Andre Ware, Rich Campbell, Steve Niehaus. Oh, my God. Was that a horrible pick? Steve Niehaus. That was the Seahawks' first pick ever. They picked Steve Niehaus. They had the first overall pick. Yikes. Larry Stegnant and Kevin White. I think there's some others in there, too, that we could add. But anyways, Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Brian, what do you think? You already say? 
Well, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but in the first couple of games, I've really I've gone with the over here just because this total seemed way too high. But uh, uh, Grizzlies being one of the best defensive teams in basketball has been a pretty t- tight series. If the Timberwolves want to hang in there, they got to turn up the defense. And the Grizzlies already play top-tier defense. So it's a lot of points under 232.5 for me. I'm going to lean on the Timberwolves plus the points here. I think we've got um, a battle on our hands, and I could see this one going to overtime here. So give me um, the Timberwolves plus the points here. I just got an email that somebody used the player prop uh, parlay. You know that we just added this past week um, on the betting tools. They bet ten dollars on Fanduel. They won five, ten, twenty-eight. Five teamer, one, two, three, four, five, six teamer. Awesome! Congratulations. Yep. yep. Fifty-one to one on their money. Nice. Fantastic. It is fabulous. Did you give your pick, Joe, on this Grizzlies? Yeah, Timberwolves? I did. Okay. Yeah, I'm taking the Timberwolves plus the points. I'm on the Grizz. First quarter, second quarter, game, the whole thing. The, the full Monty on the Grizzlies for me. No premium pick. I think that's the toughest game on the board. Suns-Pelicans, no Booker. Suns, six and a half point favorites in this one at home. Um... A lot of a lot of press about the officiating in this series. It has not been in the Suns' favor. The Suns are not getting the calls. I mean, but the disparity at the line, you know, shows that eh, maybe they have a point. Brian, Suns Pelicans. Uh, this was my toughest game in the board. Just so tough to cut. I'd love to be on the Pelicans because they're one of my teams, but I, I would think the Suns would bounce back here. But I think I'm going to go again with the under here. I think it's going to be a, a bare-knuckle brawl. First team to 100 wins this game. So I'm going to take the under here. I think the Pelicans come out fighting. Joe? I think it just seems a little low for me. i got to take the over 215.5 in this and the – Pelicans here plus the points. I think what you're saying is they will come out fighting. I agree with that. But I think um, we're going to see the baskets. We're going to see more points in this. Both teams have been allowing right around that 113, 114 mark. And I could see this, both of them hitting around that 112 each. So give me the over. Chris Paul triple-double tonight maybe for Al Nino's. Al Nino's, the Nino's bet. <laughs> the guy, Chris Paul triple-double. Joe wasn't here. Al Nino's was <laughs> bad-mouthed. He was trash-talking Chris Paul. It's like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. He was blaming the entire, any son's losses and, and deficiencies were all on Chris Paul. Well, he had a huge day yesterday. Al Nino's doing that. Wow. I'm shocked. Monster day for Al yesterday. I think he's 5-0. and oh. Must have been a lot of 270 favorites that hit. I don't know. He's been winning a lot this year. A lot of favorites have been coming in, the big favorites. I changed the I changed the settings, you know, on the site that you can take those big favorites now. So it's definitely Al's favorite number guys one. Like he's number one in the NHL, number one for the last seven days. So make sure I you guys to, check it out. I, I used to block it. But you couldn't take those big favorites. I think we could use an ROI to the site, but I know that cost. No, it's yeah. we're we're gonna we're redoing it site so it's not going to cost anything extra it's what it is it's part of it will be part of the project but i would rather go roi myself 
Um, I mean, personally, me, that's I, what matters. Yeah, I mean, I I never bet minus two seventy. I just feel like I always get screwed when I take a minus one fifty or higher. I always end up getting getting it in a tailpipe. So I like to I rather do the plus money. Well, what do you got for sale today? Well, I'm going to do a special on Tuesday. I got to fit my best bet in baseball, just $15 at pickdogs.com premium picks. It's my Tuesday MLB money shot. I did go 0-3 yesterday, but uh, I feel like today's card's full of gems today. So make sure you get on over, get my best bet for just 15 bucks today. You're going to talk about that in your uh, take it to the bank play? Oh, for go. sure. For sure. And, you know, I am ranked number there, three. Maybe. I'm ranked number three in baseball, so uh, you know I'm giving Romanelli a run for his money. He's he's right up there. He's just ahead of me. Nice work, Brian. I'm trying. Just plus money dogs, though. I try not to go with the favorites. I try not to. All right. Joe, what do you got? Um, I've got two in the MLB, two in the NBA, and one in hockey today. So taking it cautious in hockey for the final um, set of games here. So still value, but I think you got to tread lightly right now. Big slate today in the NHL. Huge slate. So. And plus, I like giving out free winners. I'm fucking crazy. All right. What do you got, Mitch? I got an MLB three pack, but I got a lot of other picks in there too. So if you have my longer term packages, kind of like yesterday, my three pack went one and two, but overall I had a winning day. So it's been that way, you know? So definitely my longer term packages are the way to go because you get all those extra picks that I put in. Extra. I think you're plus 245 yesterday or so, but you. Had a good one. No idea. And Joe had a good day. No idea. I don't. I don't look. I. I know when I win and lose. I never really look at that stuff. I had no idea that Alminos was there. I know he'd been doing well because a lot of favorites come in, and I changed that setting. So he's got a lot of those, you know, minus two seventy hockey teams. There's a lot of big hockey odds ones out there. I think there's a minus 400 or 500 today. I'm in yeah, coyote, coyotes are playing. Yeah, there's some huge favorites in hockey today. It's crazy. I can't take lines like that. There's no way. Like the Leafs are uh, minus 455 against the Detroit Red Wings. Minus 400 for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Brian's all over the place. Gross. Now minus I was just thinking 600 the Leafs, for the Minnesota Wild. It's 600 that's when Wild. That's the Leafs cheap went away is when they're minus 400 favorite. But. Yeah. I hate lines like that. It's gross. It's gross. So gross. It is gross. So gross, man. <laughs> it is. I can't touch a line like that. Is it? Putting minus 600 on the Minnesota Wild against the Coyotes today, that's gross. So what would qualify, like, as ooh, gross? Like, is that, like, when you initially see it, or is there, like, an actual, like, category of ooh, gross? <laughs> as soon as you see it, that's just ooh, gross. Okay. <laughs> it's just right away, instant gross. So it's a reaction. Ooh, gross would be the reaction. Gross <laughs> would be the, the generic labeling of the 
odds themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So there are two different parts of speech here. One's a one's a noun. The other one would be a uh I don't know what you would call it. You'd call no. it a uh Oh. A reaction. Yeah, interjection. Yeah. Pirates versus Brewers. Ooh, gross. Mitch Keller's pitching. Got the <laughs> <laughs> got the Reds versus the Padres. Revert San Martin. Still waiting for his big day. You know what it is? The Reds just don't hit for him. And then you got the Tampa Bay Rays against Logan Gilbert and the Mariners. My guess is I don't see any. I haven't seen anything. The odds came out late on that game, so I haven't really, I haven't really looked at it. But my guess is we're gonna have a public dog in that one. Brian, you love public dogs. What do you think? Yeah, I'm the opposite. I hate public dogs. I think the best bet in that grouping is probably the Tampa Bay Rays. I think they're gonna do what the Rays do and just grind out W's. Gilbert's been awesome for me, but I don't like him now with all this attention. I'm probably gonna go super square, take the Milwaukee Brewers, lay the run line. Normally I like the Pirates, but I just I can't get behind a Mitch Keller here. He's the wrong Keller for me to be back in. And uh yeah, that's it there, those two games. Brian playing hard to get there, doesn't like all the attention. Joe. What do you think of these three? I'm going um, to take the under between the Brewers and the Pirates. I think we did see Mitch Keller come out with a strong game in his last one against the Brewers, and I think we'll see him come out and do enough to keep this under Mitch. I'm not saying the Pirates are going to get this win. <laughs> They're not going to get the win. I think the Brewers get the win, but I think we stay under the 7.5. Um, the under is 4-0 and 1 in the last five meetings between these two as well. He did have a good game in the last one. He had only one earned run, four hits, no walks, and seven strikeouts in 5.1 innings. So I think he can do enough to keep us under here. Um, and then... And I take the under between the Padres and the Reds, too. I think the Padres come out and get the win here. But I can't just trust the Reds to get enough runs for this one to go over. So give me the under in that game. To me, the Reds are going to be one of these teams that it's like when you don't expect them to do anything is probably when they're going to do something. And when you do expect them to do something, they're going to fall flat on their face. And they just don't have, you know, they're missing those two big bats from last year, Winkler and Castellanos. And um, I don't know. I think. I think the Reds have a puncher's chance here against the Padres. San Martin, I think he can keep them in it. You know, I think he can keep them keep them in the game. Musgrove, we know, you know, when he's rolling, is very very tough to, to tough to beat. I can I can see that under in, but it is you know, Great American, the second best hitters ballpark in all of baseball. So you want to kind of not not <laughs> really pick and choose your unders there because it is the. Second best hitters ballpark outside of Coors Field, and that's that's gone on for since they built the place. Um, I don't know. I like Logan Gilbert a lot, but you know I'm with Brian. I think we have a public dog here in Seattle, and as much as Brian loves a good public dog, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say it's just not where I like to be. Speaking of games. Got the Phillies up against the Rockies. Zach Eflin is a minus 160 pitcher again. Up against Herman Marquez. Got uh, Brian's homeboy, Sandy Alcantara, up against Josiah Gray. That's a good pitching matchup right there. Two good young pitchers going at it. And then, well, the toughest game on the board. 
Luis Severino on the mound for the Yankees up against Jordan Lyles for the Orioles. And, uh, you know, we've seen the Yankees play decent at home, 7-3 and three at home, but uh, I'm not convinced, right? I'm never convinced with the Yankees. Um, they're, a lot of those wins were tight games, you know, and up against teams that can't hit at all. And um, Jordan Lyles, to his credit, has really not been all that bad this year. He's the guy I would rather have than Keller of those scrub pitchers. It's not my guy, so Brian already took him. That's Brian's first-round draft choice. Jordan Lyles. He's not my first round. He's probably my fifth or sixth rounder. But <laughs> oh, Jordan he's, Lyles he's is in, he, You got him he's in your in my keep, rotation. He's in, he's in your keeper league, right? He's, it's, like, it's like he's not letting him get too far away from him. But, um, yeah, I thought that Phillies-Rockies game, um, the drop ball, and we've seen more of these drop balls already this season, and I've seen two of them by the Rockies. Routine fly balls that were dropped. Multiple runs scoring on those. They lost both of those games where that happened. And both those games, they had the lead when it happened. And Bryce it, Harper, two big hits yesterday. Double and a homer, I believe. The Rockies gave up after they dropped the ball. And the Phillies took the lead. It was like, that's the second time they've done that. And it's the second time they did it. In, in, uh, at home against the Dodgers, Chris Bryant dropped, uh, uh, dropped one in left field. I mean, it was a routine fly ball with two outs. Same thing with this one. Kyle Schwarber, right? It was routine fly ball with two outs. Two runners on. You know, so the runners are going. Dropped it. Just dropped it. Lost it in the lights. But uh, Zach, it doesn't make Zach Eflin a minus 161 pitcher on, any, on his best day. What do you think of these? I think that Josiah Gray, Sandy Alcantara game could be uh, could be a future, like a look into the future of Major League Baseball. For me, in that grouping of games here, I'm gonna. Uh, I think the Phillies Rockies is a one run game. So whatever you're gonna pay the least amount of juice on, whether taking the Rockies plus one and a half or Zach Eflin at minus one sixty, I think you go with either one of the two. And I'll take a chance at the Baltimore Orioles plus one and a half here. Uh, there's no way I would uh, go minus two eighty, minus three hundred with the Yankees. Uh, Orioles were competitive with them in Baltimore. I think they can be competitive today. So I'll take the Orioles plus one and a half here. Joe Madden. Yeah, I'm going to look at taking the Rockies. I think they have a bounce back off that game. They just got embarrassed yesterday off of that one. So give me the Colorado Rockies at that plus 140. I like it. And then give me the over between Miami and Washington. I just think the Nationals are allowing too many runs. And I think this one easily goes over that number of seven and a half. I think it's too low. The over has hit in their last five meetings of versus each other. I know we've got great pitchers up here, but I think most of the runs come in the second half. So maybe over seven and a half. I like the Orioles against the Yankees. I think that um, just way too much value to pass up in that game. And um, I think you go reverse run line on the Rockies here. They had the Phillies dead to right since it's Zach Eflin at minus 160. But Marquez isn't that good. They're both pretty wishy-washy. Yeah, but Marquez, at least you can at least you can justify his numbers. With Zach Eflin, you can't see Marquez. All three of his starts um, this season have been at Coors Field. 
So his his ERA and his numbers are going to be inflated. Well, Zach Eflin just sucks, right? I mean, he pitches everywhere. He makes everywhere at Coors Field. He doesn't suck. He's just he's just a little bit below average starting pitcher. He's a he's a number four or five guy. Yeah, that's what he is. I mean, he wasn't bad last time out. Nine hits, four runs, all earned. That was at Coors, and then before that, against in that seven-one beatdown by the Marlins, who are could still be up if they left Eflin in there. Four innings, six hits, four runs, eighty-one pitches. He's yet to give up a home run. And that first outing where he conned everybody, four innings, two hits, no runs, three strikeouts, two walks, in the loss to Oakland. Zach Eflin. Come on. Red Sox against the Blue Jays. That was a close game. The Blue Jays were up uh, two solo home runs. The Red Sox came back and tied it, and then uh, Grand Slam to uh, get the lead for the Blue Jays. When Bichette hit that ball... The weirdest thing was is that so the announcers were kind of like the balls hit deep or whatever, and it barely cleared the fence. I mean, it barely cleared it. But Bichette, when they showed him, he knew it was gone all the way. It was the weirdest thing because it wasn't like one of these, you know, fifth row home runs or something. It barely cleared the fence. And he knew it was gone. It was like he knew it was gone. It was like the craziest thing. It was like it's so weird. You don't see that too often. It was almost like it was like it already happened or something. Anyways, Blue Jays. Well, cash. I was just manager. I tell me better hustle next time because you don't know if that ball's going over, Mister. You can't hustle with the bases loaded because no one would be moving. That's if that true. Was the case. Yeah, what do you do? Right. Then you you're then right. everybody's out. You're right. I'm wrong. I forgot. Then everybody's out. Then you got then you got it real problems. He's hustling. Yeah. Don't hustle. I don't like lack of hustle. No. Don't hustle. Lack of hustle. What would happen if you ran past his other guy? You're out. Boy, that'd be a screw up on a grand <laughs> It happens it, ha- it it actually that's when it happens is on home runs. Is when it happens most. Is on home really? runs. Really? Oh yeah. It happens. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Oh, it, it happens. It happens. What a screw up that is. Oh, yeah. Especially if the out occurs before the other runners cross the plate on a grand slam. Now you've nullified all those runs. Like if the out happens after the guys have crossed the plate, at least those other two runs would have scored. But if it happens before, like because Brian's got him hustling down the line, then nobody <laughs> scores. Man, that's a massive screw-up. Look it up. When's the last time it happened? I've lost games on... Baseball is the one game that they say, you can go to the ballpark every single day and you'll see something that you've never seen before. I lost the game where a guy hit one off the wall. He's coming around third base, right? Coming around third base, 
I mean, they don't even have a play on him. You know, they're they they're going to throw it into the cutoff, man. And he's it's going to be the go ahead run. The guy breaks his leg. <laughs> they throw the ball over there and tag his ass out in between, like before they can get the medics out there. <laughs> throw, he's writhing in pain. They tag him out. <laughs> And they, they run, they're all celebrating, you know. And it's like this guy's just writhing in pain. It was, pulled himself I forget the guy, the guy. I draw a blank. It's the same guy that wanted to fight Steve Monaghan. It's the same guy. What was his name? Mel. He was on the Yankees. He was like that. Stottlemyre? No, he was like a giant guy. He wanted to fight Tyson. Mel something. Oh, my gosh. 19... I would say that was 1992. It was. Let's see. His name was. Huh. Maybe it was 93. Maybe it was 91. It was. Uh, it was not a. Uh, the night that Monahan got into the fight with this guy. It's not a uh, fun night at the ballpark, I'll tell you that much. Mel Hall. Okay, his name was Mel Hall. He wanted to fight Tyson. He was gigantic. So the guy in front of us yells out to Mel Hall. We're right by the on-deck circle. He yells, hey, Hall, uh, you're a zero. So Monahan yells out, Hall, why don't you swing at the first pitch like you did the first two times up? And then the other guy yells, Hall, you're nothing. And Hall turns around and says, you got a problem? Monahan says, hey, it wasn't me. I just said swing at the first pitch. He says, you got a problem? Mel Hall climbs over the fence in Yankee Stadium. He's, wow. <laughs> we're in the second row. Let's just say I never got the work seats again, you know. And <laughs> Mel Hall standing right there next to me. He's like six foot eleven, man. Like all muscle. He's gigantic. Dave Winfield's there. Don Mattingly, Bucky Dent. Like the entire Yankee lineup is is in our row. You know, it's crazy. Jesse Barfield was on that team. Bernie Williams. It's like the entire Yankee team was in our row. That's right about the time when George Costanza was working for the Yankees, I think, in 93. Yeah, I think it was the year, I think it was the year, I think it was the year before Costanza. Danny Tartable. Yeah, I think it was the year before Tartable. All I say is that, that Mel Hall was gigantic. Gigantic. Broke his leg rounding the bases. Same season. I wonder who Ron's rundown has in these names today. You watch the rundown? You fan? I haven't caught it. You fan, he Brian? Has lots of, he has lots of lady fans. Uh, me, I try to give him a thumbs up every day because that's my guy. Yeah, he only does so, it for the women. Yeah. He's only in it, he's only in it for the women. The, <laughs> the parties, the limo rides, you know. He, he said after that, it's just like any other gig. Celebrity. He's got the the fur coat. 
thought he had a mink. That too. Chicago White Sox up against the Royals. Dallas Keuchel serving. He was hideous last time out. Max Fried pitching for the Braves up against Marcus Stroman. And Chris Paddock up against Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't know. This looks like another spot for, for a dog, but everything I see says Paddock. Brian? Uh, this is a tough slot here. I think I'm going to, I think the books are trying to scare you off of the Chicago White Sox losers of seventh straight. I'm usually, I'm fading Dallas Keiko, but I think he's got to show something there with that 15 ERA. So I'm going to take the White Sox here, lay the minus 150. Then I'm going to take a shot with my uh, Chicago Cubs here, Stroman on the mound. He's looked hitty. Uh, he's looked pretty bad this season so far. Uh, Freed's a slow starter. I think the Cubs can get him today. You ever see baseball players going to the stands after fans? No, but I, no. no that was my first time, but I've seen it. I saw it actually that same season. It happened. Um, it happened again. That same season. It was Jose Canseco went into the stands at Yankee Stadium. Um, he was dating Madonna at the time. Someone said something. They brought signs, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. They got the seats like right next to him in right field. Had the signs, had the the whole thing. They just rode him like you know after like four or five innings of it, he couldn't take it anymore. I think fans have to stop being a holes. That's what I think. Well, I don't think they should be able to do that. I think they should just be ejected. Well, I, I don't know. Fans pay the bills. Fans you know when pay that the relief bills. pitcher's coming off the field for the Phillies, I'm sitting second row. I I have these seats at, in the, at the Phillies. I love to give the relief pitcher the, the business as he's coming off, tell him how much he sucks. What? You're Let's one of those. Oh, I don't do it every time, Ryan. but but if I see a pitcher out there and he's giving up ten runs, not ten runs, but he's giving up four runs in a relief appearance, and I give him the business when he comes off the field. But yeah, that's just a tradition in baseball. You got to give guys the business sometimes. I don't think. I think it's just mean. Stop being mean, Brian. How about the uh, yelling at? <laughs> how about yelling at jockeys at the racetrack, Joe? Is that okay? Because I do that. No, I do that. <laughs> it's not okay. I don't know much Spanish, but I know enough to yell at a jockey at a racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> That's for damn sure. <laughs> oh man, I can imagine what you're. Oh, saying. <laughs> everyone else is screaming at him in Spanish. I just pick up some choice words from them. <laughs> just start throwing them out, <laughs> yelling at them too. <laughs> it's, oh yeah. <laughs> Yell at those jockeys. Do you guys boo your own team when they're losing? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) I hate that so much. You have a guy on your team that, what if it's a guy on your team that you don't like? Like, what if, um, what if, like, my team? Yeah, like, what if Connor McDavid gets traded to the Flames and, like, he has, like, some really lousy, effortless matchups? I'll I'll embrace him. (laughs) You know, I will. Joe's love, like, Joe's like, you want to come over for some succulent ham for Easter? <laughs> <laughs> I would invite Connor McDavid if he was with the Flames over for dinner. <laughs> Brian likes his ham succulent for Easter. Okay. <laughs> We're way off the wheels here. Um, all right. Who do you like in these games? Uh, Joe, did you finish, Brian? Uh, yep, all finished. I took the Cubs, and I took the crappy Chicago White Sox. 
Yeah, I think I have to uh, lean on the Cubs here too. Kansas City is just not playing well on the road. I um, I like them putting up a fighting chance though in this one, especially with Keiko starting for the White Sox. So I like the over nine in this one. They both trended nice to the over, especially the White Sox against uh, left-handed starters. So give me the over nine and the White Sox. And then I like the over between the Cubs and the Braves as well. Well, I know Max Fried um, is the better pitcher of the two. I just don't want to pay minus 169 for the Cubs or for the Braves here in this one. And I think the over has great value. So give me the over eight and uh, lean on the Braves. That's it for me, Mitch. What do you like in here? I like the Cubs on the run line here, plus the one and a half. Max Fried is really a slow, slow starter. We saw it last year. He was like, he had almost a six ERA at the All-Star break. And, uh, he was totally back-end loaded. Um, if you look at his line, you can see that. And uh, Marcus Stroman is like the one Cub player I like. You know, it's like, if I, have to, if I have to like one player on the Cubs, it's probably Marcus Stroman. He's never really the best player on his team, but at least he always tries. You know, he'd be good on the White Sox, probably. He always tries. He's, he's like a he's like a, a the the anti Cub. He's like a motor guy. You know, it's like I like him. They only lose by a run here. I like the Tigers against the Twins. Uh, not enough to put a premium pick on it, but I do like him here. I think that. Um, Rodriguez is the better answer. Chris Paddock, we know who he is. He's not this guy that's been pitching this season. This guy gets smacked. I mean, Chris Paddock goes 1.1 innings, giving up seven runs. Is anybody shocked? Because that's what we've seen from him throughout his career. Well, he hasn't done great this year. He's 0-2 with a 5 ERA. Exactly. That's the, that's my guy. Are you guys shocked this total is only 7.5 in this one? It must. The wind must be blowing in. Or yeah, it's I would cold. stay away. Oh, okay. Let's see. Yeah, the wind is blowing out to right, but it's also 44 degrees. Sunny, though. Well, that helps. Too cold for me. Somehow I, I missed the game or I ran over somewhere. I think you just jumped ahead with the Twins game. Is that what happened? Okay. Got, got a little excited about the Twinkies. We got, uh, so we'll just do two in this time slot. We'll do the Cardinals, Mutts, and the Rangers against the Astros. Boy, the Astros without Altuve, there's not the same team. They are not. Taylor Hearn really gets crushed, though. I mean, he really gets hit hard. I, I, I like guys like that. He they, seems to always have a baiting line, though, Taylor Hearn, whenever he's pitching. The, rain, the line's always really low. Yep. And, and I don't I, understand. Well, the last time out, Taylor Hearn had one of those low lines also. He was only plus 111 um, in Seattle. The Rangers actually won that game. That was the game where I gave out the Rangers, and people were ham hammering me in the YouTube comments all day about the game. Then the game starts, and um, the Mariners score five runs in the top half of the first. And then the Rangers came all the way back and won. No decision for Taylor Hearn. But Taylor Hearn is sporting that 7.59 ERA. I mean, <laughs> Oda Rizzi's no prize. Oh, no. I like how you said that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Jake, Jake throws, you know, he, he throws still 100 miles an hour. But the issue is, is that he used to throw 110, you know. So he's not as good as, as he once was. He's always been one of those hard throws. Not everybody throws hard, right? Everybody throws hard. Oklahoma Baptist. Royce City, Texas. Taylor Hearn. I love Texas. Don't mess with Texas. All right. What do you like of these two, Brian? Well, one's a premium play, so I'll go right to the other one. I'm going to take the uh, St. Louis Cardinals again. I got I lost yesterday with them, and this looks like a bullpen game because Hicks will probably just go two or three. Uh, but uh, the Cardinals are a good team at home, and it just seems like this light, line's a little light here at the Mets with Bassett, who's been pretty sturdy on the mound for New York. I'll take a crack with the Cardinals, just to lean. Bassett got crushed last time out. Joe? Yeah, I think we can see um, the runs coming in this one. I think we're going to go over that seven. We hit that seven yesterday with the Mets getting the win five to two, but I am looking for more out of the Cardinals today. So I think we go over that number. And then I like the over between the Astros and the Texas Rangers. Um, I can't see this being such a lopsided game today. I think it stays more competitive, but you're right. Um, lean on the the Texas Rangers here to get another win. Houston's just not looking like themselves. So give me the over and a lean on Texas. Well, Houston's not themselves. They're, they're missing Correa, yeah. no longer on the team. Springer, no longer on the team. Um, Jose Altuve, out. It's like they're, they're not themselves. But um, on that other one, the Cardinals-Mets, 0-0 in the eighth inning last night. Um, Mets score two. Cardinals score five. Okay. A big error in that one, too. Big, big error. Open the floodgates again. Same thing. It was two to one when the error happened. It was two nothing when the error happened. Um, the, the Cardinals scored the run, and but the floodgates were open, and that was it. That Harrison Bader is a good guy to have on your team. He seems to like he seems to relish the moment. Uh, he's like the anti Bryce Harper. It's like when it is that big moment, he wants to be up and he makes that hit, you know? It's like he does. He's a good guy to have on your team. Especially batting in the ninth spot. He had one hit, you know. Came in, came in the ninth inning when it needed it, right? It came in the eighth inning, whatever. They're down. It's like, that's exactly what you wanted. All right. A whole lot of quiet out there. Got uh, the Angels against the Guardians. The Guardians slumping. Got the Diamondbacks up against the Dodgers. I thought the Diamondbacks fought the good fight now, and they just didn't have any punch. And then the interesting one on the board, the Giants against Oakland. This is the most interesting game out there. Um, this is the game where the Giants normally fall flat on their face. That return home game, um, off the road trip, this is that one, right? And here they are against Oakland. 
who's covered, you know, as a run line dog against the Giants about 150 in a row. So they're going to be right there. Brian, you want to talk about it? Yep, I want to talk about that. But the Oakland-San Francisco game, if you want my pick there, you're going to have to listen to the money and bank play. I got a winner right there. It should be an easy one. As far as the other games go, why break precedence as far as fading the Dodgers on the run line? I've been getting crushed with it, but I know long-term, long-term I'm going to make money. So I'm going to go with uh, Zach Davies, who's always hard to back. But Gonsolin's pitching really above his baseball card number. So I think Arizona at least keeps it within a run today. Joe? Um, I like the under in both of these uh, two later games. I'm going to go with the under six and a half between the Giants and the A's. I just don't see the runs coming in here with these two pitchers. Um, I think we're going to have a really low scoring one in that one. And then the under between the Dodgers and Arizona, I think um, it just seems way too high for uh, these teams to get over that nine and a half. So give me the under nine and a half here. I could see the under in that Giants A's game, but I could also see the over. I could see, you know, kind of going. It's I don't love it. I would lean to the under there, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the over is out of play by any stretch of the imagination because generally in these spots where the Giants come home, especially off East Coast road trips, we're talking seven one eight one is normally they just get crushed. So. I think it's Oakland all the way. Possible reverse run line there on Oakland as well. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe um, I don't know. I, I I could see this game being 4-1, but I could also see it being 8 or 9-1 to one because I've been on the wrong side of it, of these Giants games before, enough times that I've learned my lessons. I, I know it. And then you hear the announcers who are former Giants players talking about the situation, you know, got in four o'clock in the morning last night right all that crap it's like so the giants they played um they had the makeup game yesterday so they actually did probably didn't get in as late but they st- it still went into the night it started a little bit early like six o'clock six forty-five. so it was a makeup game that they had against the brewers right that game that they scored late and they won really a surprising win because they were like a two to one underdog in that one Brian, Brian's always surprised when the Giants win. I think I that's, had the Giants that's, one that's, and a half. I had the Giants yesterday, but I, I had them on the run line. So it's Brian's theme. He's just always surprised when the Giants win. I'm just looking for these reverse run line prices on Oakland to see what they are. In the Battle of the Bay Area. Because Oakland's just driving across the bridge. And the reverse run line in this beauty pays. Oh my. Plus 360. All right, that's where I'm at. That's where I live. Taking Oakland plus 360, minus one and a half. Can't help myself. There's no reason. I don't see any reason not to do it. Except that. It's a low low probability of coming in, but according to them. But I like the way that I like the way the Giants uh, play coming back from the uh, from the road trip. Plus three sixty on the reverse run line with Oakland. Jeffries, Brian looks perturbed by that pick. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just it's, me first glance. I'm surprised that this Giants line is this high under the circumstances. But uh, it's to me, it's crazy. But it looks too good to be true. It does look too good to be true. Carlos Redon at home. But it's like, this is what always happens. It's like, then he has no help at all because everybody sleepwalks through the lineup. Jeffers has been solid. I've been on the wrong side of those Giants games, and I think Bittler was on the right side of a couple of them, and he used, used to use that as the excuse last year, especially that Diamondbacks one, which obviously left the mark, right? I've only brought it up six or seven times <laughs> in the last two seconds. All right. Also go with the Diamondbacks as well. Pure fate against Gonzalez. I know if I bet against the, the Dodgers every single game, I'm going to make money. And I'm going to ride it till the wheels fall off. And the yep. wheels are getting a little bit, um, a little janky. But they're, not janky. Fall- they're a bit janky, but they haven't fallen off yet. No, Al's enjoying his Dodgers run. but He did not wear the Kershaw shirt this weekend on <laughs> Kershaw Day. We know that. You ever see, Joe, you ever see Nino's Kershaw shirt? No, oh, I you haven't. Got, you got to ask him to wear it the next time he pitches. It's the best. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, it's just a big picture of his head, right? Isn't that what it is, Brian? Isn't it like a, like a, like a picture of Kershaw's face, right? Like it's like his head. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he wears that out to the clubs. I'm sure he wears it all the time. Like I'm sure he wears it like the pajamas. Like Dodger sneakers too. That's funny. Oakland's nine and eight coming into this game. You got a parlay, Brian? Yep, I got a parlay. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Rays on the money line, team them up with those bums, the Chicago White Sox on the money line, and the under in the Grizzlies and uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Those three games. Joe? I'm going to take the Pelicans plus the points, the under between the Hawks and Miami, and the over between the Royals and the White Sox. I'm going to take the uh, Cleveland Guardians. I'm going to parlay them up with the Detroit Tigers and throw them in with the Tampa Bay Rays. I said it. I feel better about it. Anyways, thanks everyone for joining us. Make it a winning day. We appreciate each and every one of you. We're going to do the premium show and VIP show, two separate shows immediately following this show. Make it a winning day. I'm going to try and act more professional tomorrow. We're going to we're, we're going to try and stay on point. We're going to see if we can do it for a full show. Brian and I did it a couple times. It wasn't easy. Yeah, throw me into the mix. I think Joe's the X Factor. She does make that <laughs> succulent Easter ham. <laughs> Joe, what will you be preparing? I'll be preparing a succulent Easter ham. <laughs> I I owe my kids a turkey. They want a turkey. Connor McDavid. They're will be getting invited. their appetite back. Connor McDavid will be invited if he's wearing his Flames jersey. <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining us. Have make it a great day. <laughs>